Hello. How are you? Hi, it's me. My name is Drew, and this is the Between Me and Drew podcast. And, sweetie, I have my lemon honey tea with me today. And let me just say, we are feeling it. And I'm very excited for today's episode for multiple reasons. It was kind of a precursor based on last week's episode um, that we were able to build our farm so much through a certain sale or certain channel of sale. And um, that is what we are going to talk about this week. And that is about or in regards to selling wholesale to florists and designers. Love it. It's so good. So that's that's why I'm very excited for t- with this week's episode. But I'm also excited because this episode is sponsored by Leo Burby Bulb Co. from Marysville, Ohio. My dear friends. Um, love them dearly. You'll hear more from them in the middle of the episode. But let us kind of get this show rolling. I need to take a sip of my tea so I don't lose my voice again. Did you say take a sip of your tea? I hope you did. You know, it's really important to stay hydrated, especially in the winter time like we're in now. Ugh, it is just so easy to not drink your water. <sighs> so rough. Um, okay. Let's get this show on the roll road. Um Selling wholesale is a huge, huge part of our business. I would say that when we're talking about the revenue that our farm brings in, not including wedding and event design, we're talking just farm sales. Wholesale is the bulk of where our revenue comes from. And we have found that over the years, selling through florists and designers um yeah that relationship between them and us is a great one because they are looking for several things they're looking for volume good pricing great product unique product um and that's what we do here at the farm at clara joyce so we're going to talk about and kind of break this process of selling wholesale down um we're gonna start with relationships because i feel like the majority of our episodes for this podcast always come back to either community or relationships (laughs) and um this is definitely like a great awakening for me to realize that um those are two very very important things in life so The sooner we can grasp that, understand that, and um, incorporate it into our daily lives, things would just be so much easier, okay? So we're going to start with relationships, then we're going to kind of break it down into, um, you know, quality. Oftentimes, I I don't want to spill too much, so quality, quantity, price, minimums, delivery, pre-orders. That's what we're going to talk about, all right? Let's go.
So when we are wanting to start to sell or just sell wholesale, um, there are a few things you, you uh, have to keep in mind. Um, the first thing is not every florist is going to want to work with you. And that was something that I had to understand right from the beginning because in my local area, there are one, two, three, four, five, six. There's like seven florists in an hour radius from here. Probably more. Um, but there's only one of them that orders wholesale from us. Um, and when I tell that to people, they're like, oh my gosh, seriously? Why would these people not want to buy from you? Because you have such beautiful products. Well, first of all, thank you. I appreciate the compliment. But second, um, it's very easy for us to come off as just another competitor for them because we are doing wedding and event design on top of growing product as well. Um, so, like, I understand. I do. Why some of our local floors choose not to purchase from us. Um, but that one that does purchase from us is a really, really good client. And they are very, very trusting of what we grow. They're very trusting of the quality that we sell. Um, and once we start to branch out a little bit farther, like an hour and a half, two hours away, then we really start to get into some incredible, incredible wholesale clients of ours that we are so thankful for. Um, <clears throat> when my business and my farm got to a point where we were able to produce enough quantity to sell wholesale to florists and designers, I wasn't really quite sure where to start because I didn't have time to be making cold calls, I thought, um, because I was working in the fields all day, recovering my body physically at night. So I was like, how, how do I do this? And fortunately, social media pulled through big time, big time. Um, because there was a, a line that I said last week in last week's episode, and that was, can't have it if you don't, or no, what was it? Dang it. Can't sell it if you don't have it, and you can't have it if you don't grow it. Um, so that mentality in the beginning made some very, very beautiful photos, um, which made for a delicious Instagram feed. And that was really how we got our name out there. Um, florists were finding me on Instagram. Um, I was targeting specific accounts based on the hashtags that they liked. So there definitely was some strategy in the beginning. Um, but once we've gotten to a point where we can build up that, or we've built our, our clientele and our following for wholesale florist orders, um, more and more people find out about us because the florists and designers that do purchase from us will tag us in a post um, with a beautiful dahlia or ranunculus in the spring or whatever, uh, the, whatever the case may be. And um, it's kind of exploded from there. And those that's important to remember that once you get your foot in the door 
with one person who truly believes in you and the product that you are producing, everything else kind of falls into place as far as getting your name out there. Now, I understand that not everybody might be in that same boat, and there are a lot of places where selling flowers wholesale is very, very competitive, and it can be very cutthroat. So you will probably need to make cold calls. And, um, you know, there is absolutely nothing wrong with walking into a flower shop with a beautiful bucket of ranunculus or a wedding designer studio on a Thursday afternoon with gorgeous dahlias, whatever the case is, um, just showing up might piss a few people off. But overall, I would say that just showing up is not a bad thing to do um, because it, it is showing that you have the the gumption to um, put yourself out there. You've got um, you know the unique product, the beautiful, high-quality product that, that a lot of times designers can't get from the local wholesale house. Um, so there, there definitely is a lot of value in a florist working with a local producer. So understanding that, getting your f- your face, literally, in front of them, whether it's on social media or in an email or showing up with some flowers, there is a lot of value to that. And one thing that I hear oftentimes is uh, from new growers, the flowers will sell themselves. And while there is truth to that, because they are beautiful and lovely and fantastic, you also have to keep in mind and consider that if you're not taking pictures of them and posting them, if you're not taking them to a florist to look at, to try, if you're just letting them sit in your garden or in your field, they're probably not selling. Okay, so um, there is there is some work that you have to do to physically sell your product. Um And all of that kind of originates with um, and stems back to building those relationships and how you can move product through people. One of the other things that I think is huge, and this was a big thing that I am still working on, um, is when you are selling to a florist that might be ordering from the local wholesale house or is ordering from Holex, which if you don't know what Holex is, you really should get with the times. Um, So we're going to take like three minutes and explain what Holex is in a nutshell. Holex is a company um, based in the Netherlands where you can make a profile on their website and it's typically hosted through your local wholesaler or an independent person here in the U.S. But Holex is a website where you can go on and you can actually see the picture of what you are purchasing. So let's say I am planning a wedding for the second week of May and I need XYZ product. I can go into Holex. I can say, I can type in those specific varieties usually, um, or if not the variety of the color and the type of bloom, and it will show me what I'm buying. And it's a, a very delightful <laughs> um, process. But the thing with Holex is that there is, when, when florists are using that service, the, that the, the service and the website is so well tailored that they're 
that one company, Holex, is getting all of that floral budget that that one wedding might have because when you're buying from Holex, you're going to get your focal flowers, you're going to get your supporting, you're going to get your filler, you're going to get your unique greenery, you're going to get all that straight through Holex with that one purchase because you can see it and it's convenient and you can do it at 11 o'clock at night and you don't have to talk to anybody and then it shows up at your door, okay? So know your competition before you really get into this if you're going to sell wholesale. The thing with Holex is the product and the quality that you are receiving is nine times out of ten incredible. Incredible. I've seen the peonies that come out of Holex. Gorgeous. Gorgeous. The dahlias that are being shipped through Holex, beautiful, usually. So gone are the days where the only thing that a florist can get in decent quality is roses and lilies, okay? Florists and designers who are really on top of their game can get anything any time of the year. Um, so when you are coming into this industry and you're selling wholesale, you have to understand that as well. Because when your ranunculus are beautiful and perfect, so are millions of other stems on the open market because you are selling in seasonality. Whereas if you had ranunculus in September when no one else in the Northwest or North America does – then you can charge $25, $30 a bunch, okay? So keep that in mind. And this all goes back to my, my point with really explaining Holex in this little tangent is quality is king, okay? When you are selling a seeded annual like amaranth or celosia or zinnias, those stems need to be beautiful um, because on the open market I can get amaranth from the local wholesaler for $10 a bunch and it looks pretty darn good so with that in mind you you really can't get by with some raggedy old amaranth that are got leaves shredded from the Japanese beetles and there's milky worms making nests in the head like that ain't gonna fly okay and I also think that there's a little bit of a thought process of with with new growers that, oh, well, I, whatever I don't sell at market, I'll just sell wholesale. No. Other way around, girl. Whatever you don't sell to florists that week, that's what you're taking to farmer's market. That's what you're going to use in your subscriptions or however your business is structured. Because the flowers that florists are getting, usually, are not the scraps from the bottom of the barrel. Okay, um, so don't think that you're going to be able to get by with that just because you're new. That's not going to fly. Um, so just have nice stuff, okay? Um, quantity is another big thing. Let's go back to quality. We're not done with quality. <laughs> when we're talking about quality stems... This is going to bring up another thing. Okay. Stem length. I would comfortably say that 7 out of 10 people would say that a long stem flower is better. A 24-inch stem is better than a 10-inch stem. Okay. And there will be people that say, 
oh, well, you can still sell that 10 stem, 10 inch stem for the same price. Well, yeah, you probably can at a farmer's market, but when you are not selling to a farmer's market customer, you are now selling to a florist. We have an expectation when it comes to stem length um, because we need stem to able to make designs with. Yes, there are things and crops that we grow like violas. I mean, rarely are they over 10 inches. Rarely. They're usually like between six and eight. Um, you know, ranunculus at the very, very beginning of the season can be a little bit shorter. You get my point. Okay. That stuff happens. But when we're talking dahlias, you know, minimum 18 inch stem, minimum, um, amaranth 24, um, zinnias minimum of 18. You're going to 24 if you can. Um, because when we are selling to a florist, I don't know what they're making. You know, they could be making a hundred compote centerpieces where everything is going to get cut down to six inch stems. And if they are fantastic, I'm glad that they're doing it because a hundred compotes would drive me up the wall. But there is a really good chance that they're going to be needing to make an arch or they're going to need to make meadow poofs to go along the aisle or they're going to be making a chandelier installation. So for those instances, 10 inch stem is barely going to cut it, okay? That's when you need those long stems, and that's what, if you're able to provide that consistently, florists pick up on that, like, right out of the gate. Um, one of the main white dahlia uh, production varieties that we grow is Blizzard, and we grow that variety specifically for the stems that it produces. The stems that Blizzard produces are so incredibly long that it is oftentimes hard to train people how to harvest that variety um, because usually we just say go back to like two leaves above the last cut um, from when it was harvested. But with Blizzard, if you did that, you're going to have a four-foot-long stem. So cater to your clientele, and the more you do this, the more you grow, the more years you get under your belt, there will be things that you can do from a grower's perspective, from a variety selection, um, to ensure that you are going to be able to provide that high-quality product based on stem length. And when we're talking quality, that doesn't even begin to touch on zero bugs. That doesn't get close to, you know, keeping your diseases in check. Well, we're here. Let's talk about bug pressure. Um... If you deliver floor, if you deliver dahlias, we're on we're on the topic of dahlias. If you deliver dahlias to a high end florist who is making three hundred dollars centerpieces to go on reception tables, and let's say that a Japanese beetle crawls out of that dahlia and makes its way over to the mother-in-law's chicken piccata. The world is going to end, okay? <laughs> that is worst case scenario because if that happens, Miss Mom-in-Law is not going to keep her mouth shut because, one, that's kind of gross. Um, 
and the florist is going to hear about it, and then you're going to hear about it, and then it's just, it's just not good, okay? Because I can almost promise you that anything that a florist is going to get from Holex or a wholesale house is not going to have any or many bugs on it, okay? So keep that in mind. Yes, there are farms and producers that um, are very strictly and religiously organic and abide by organic production practices. And, you know, sometimes, and even in conventional, sometimes bugs happen. Um, these are a living, growing thing that we're working with. So there will be times when creepy crawlies come out to play. Um, but if you are selling to these types of people, you really, really need to understand the whole picture. So caterpillars crawling out of Solosha is not a good look, okay? Especially when it's on the groom's boot near and the bride is saying, I do, and then she sees a little green creepy collie cabbage worm. No bueno. So keep that in mind too. Um, let's move on. We're going to talk about quantity. Um... One thing with florists that you will learn as you work with these specific clients year after year is each florist has their own pattern, we'll say. I know that one of our florists will buy 300 white dahlias every week, and I know that she that's, that's standard for her. She loves our dahlias, so we have to be able to provide quantity for that. But I know that another florist doesn't take on those huge weddings like the first one does, so she might only need one bucket of white. So with that in mind, I'm not going to plant 15,000 blizzard because I really only need 1,000, okay, to, to meet those orders. Um and this is also important because as you are, or if you are just starting out and you're not quite sure, you know, how much to plant or, you know, crop planning and forecasting and all that goes, as you do this year after year, those numbers will come a lot easier to you. So let's say this year you plant 15 feet of the queen orange zinnias okay and you're selling out every every week there's none left in the field so next year plant 60 feet of those zinnias and use that information from the next year to make your decision for year three you know based off of that 60 feet where we harvesting 45 bunches every week where we only selling 10 bunches a week um Little things like that are very important. And you can also kind of cater your crop offering to and the quantity that you're able to produce based on the colors that are forecasted to be in for the next year. Um, and that forecasting is really only going to be able to come from relationships that you've built with those clients that you're selling to um, because they're the ones who are going to know that, okay, white is going to be in for a very long time, but you know, blush and burgundy, that combo is kind of on its way out. So I don't need a ton of burgundy dahlias like I have for the past seven years. Um, 
So you can tweak things here and there as you go. Also, when it comes to quantity, you really need to build vendor relationships um, from your perspective as a producer. Because if I am going to be short on peach dahlia tubers, um, and I know that our florists are going to buy everything that we can produce, I need to find more of those. And having a great relationship with a wholesaler um, like Leo Barry Bulbco is a great place to start. And this is going to be our lovely smooth transition into a break. So I mentioned earlier that today's episode is sponsored by Leo Barry Bulbco. And we get asked literally all the time where we buy the things that we need here on the farm, you know, sourcing. And um, when it comes to seeds and hard goods, those are easy. Um, but when it comes to perennials and bulbs and things that are going to be a part of your farm's journey for a long period of time, it's a little bit more difficult to navigate that part of the industry because there's so many things to keep in mind and you really need to have someone on the inside of that industry to help you with that process. And that's where my relationship with Leo Burby Bulbco really is outstanding. Um, it's very, very rare to find the level of care that this company takes with their product. Um, customer satisfaction is incredible. Customer service and overall customer experience literally is the best. You know, I can call during normal business hours and someone is always there in the office to help me. Um, Dave is fantastic in the young plant division, so he can help me broker, you know, any perennial transplant or lisianthus plugs. Um, all of our lisianthus for 2022 are coming through Burbies in the young plant division. All of our bulbs and amaryllis, a lot of our... Um, Perennials and peonies also come from Margolin and Dave over at Leo Burby Bulb Co. as well. Uh, so they're, they're really great. Um, with Leo Burby, you can order online. Um, they have a wholesale part of their website. You can also call in. Um, you know, it's it's very easy process to work with them. Um, they're based out of Marysville, Ohio. It's a family-owned company. They've been around for over 50 years here in the U.S., and honestly, I, I couldn't love them more. So if you're in the need of a new bulb company or you're not happy with the service in the product you've been getting elsewhere, so definitely check out Leo Burby Bulb Co. And you won't be disappointed. Don't forget to send, tell them that Drew sent you their way. All right, and we're back. So I wanted to kind of tie in that relationship that we have to have on the back end with um, our suppliers like Leo Burby in order to make growing wholesale feasible because when you are selling wholesale a lot of times you are taking a little bit of a um, or you're selling at a different price rather than if you were to sell that at a or in a retail situation um, so that goes back to having really great sources really watching what you're spending uh, when you're bringing in plant material and also making sure that you are pricing your product correctly. Um, and back in episode five, I really went into great detail how we price, how you can effectively price your product to make sure that you're, you know, you're making enough money um, to cover all of your expenses and then some. Um, so once you understand how to price your product and watch your your input costs, um, then it makes selling wholesale 
so much more attainable and less scary. Um, because one of the things that I had to kind of get over in the beginning was a few things. I don't have enough people um, locally in my area that I can sell five acres worth of cut flowers retail. Okay. Um, two, I was a little concerned that the price break that I was going to be taking um, selling wholesale was going to be too much and not be uh, cost effective in order for me to produce and sell whole at a wholesale level. Um, so those that that second point of you know understanding that you are going to be taking a price break um, really is a lot of encouragement in, uh, in order or for you to um, really get more efficient at growing, get better at sourcing, um, and really figure out you know where you can trim time. Um, where you can maybe cut a corner here or there in order to get a more cost-effective product. So that really brings us to the next thing I want to talk about, which is pricing and how pricing for wholesale works. So pricing uh, when you're selling to a florist or a designer or really anyone who's going to be reselling that product, there are a few things to keep in mind. Um, when we start to or when we do offer a new product. Um, so let's say we tulips were a new wholesale item for us last year for the 2021 season. Um, tulips are a very, very easy um, crop to come up with your cost analysis on um, because they do have a relatively high input cost, but the labor um, is minimal compared to other crops. Um, so with tulips, I don't like to pay more than 30 to 32 cents per bulb um, just so that I can have a more competitive price when I go to sell that. You know, the most that we'll go up to is the you know upper 30s cents per bulb. Um, and uh, with that in mind, if we're selling these in 10 stem bunches, um, I have in hard cost per bunch of tulip, I have between uh, $3 and $4, okay? So if we're adding in, let's say, another $0.75 cents for cumulative time and labor per bunch, um, that's putting me right at about $5 of cost to get to that point. So then if I'm selling that wholesale, I'm going to sell that for a minimum of 15 because I need to recoup that money back and then that leaves me with $10. And out of that $10, I've got um, electric and cooler costs, I've got water costs, and there's transportation and packaging that still has to be paid for yet too. Um, so that's kind of how I would maneuver that situation. Whereas if I were selling that bunch of tulips retail, I would add in a few stems of greenery, maybe some stock if we've got some early stock, and you know you could charge thirty or thirty-five dollars for that bunch as a bouquet. But you're not doing that because you are moving it wholesale and you're selling it by the bunch, and the florist is doing that additional step of making that bouquet and taking it to that retail location and et cetera, et cetera. Um, so if you are going to do a crop analysis on um, dahlias, it's going to be a little bit more intensive because um, the tubers are more expensive. 
um, yes, you're getting more flowers off of that plant because tulips, you only get one bloom. Um, but with dahlias, you've got a lot more time, a lot more labor, a lot more input costs in insects and nutrition and all of those things. Um, so in episode five, we really break down pricing and, and how to um, get better at that. Um, but there are more things to keep in mind when pricing for wholesale too. Um, one thing that we'll do a lot here on the farm is we will compare our wholesale prices to what florists are used to paying. So we get uh, weekly price lists from our local wholesaler. We get price lists from a national shipping wholesaler, Mayesh, um, and we get price lists from somebody else, Floor Abundance, I think. Um, we get price lists from in the main season because I like to use those as kind of a comparison. Um, you know, what are our florists in our area used to paying for tulips, fancy tulips? Um, what are they used to paying for stock? You know, right now, beautiful stock is coming. Oh, well, actually, stock is coming out of California year round um, for between seven and ten dollars a bunch. Okay, so we we know that, and we are going to use that to price ourselves competitively. Um, and I say competitively because that doesn't mean cheaper than what they're getting from the wholesaler, what they're paying from the wholesaler. Um, oftentimes, that means pricing just a little bit above, you know, market average. So for stock, if we've got beautiful stock, um, you know, 12, 13, $14 is probably what we're going to charge for it. Um, if it's very like standard quality, then that's when we're going to be right at market price. You know, we'll, we'll come in at eight, uh, eight or $9 a bunch. Um, I usually don't like to go much less than a dollar a stem on, um, crops that are one grown by transplant because that's a lot more time and labor that we have to ac ac account for and make up. Um, but when it comes to a direct sown crop like Cosmos, where you're getting a large amount of plant material and stems in a small amount of space, um, then you definitely can be more competitive in your pricing um, in that regards. So there are lots of ins and outs and things to keep in mind, but I think my biggest thing when it comes to pricing is, first of all, do your, your cost analysis, you know, really understand, you know, your hard costs for producing that material. Um, do that as number one. And then number two, compare yourself to um, pricing in the industry at that point too. And there's nothing wrong with making accounts with different wholesalers and shippers um, to use them as a tool, number one. But number two, you might be in a situation where during the holiday season you need Ilex and you can't find it, so you're going to buy it in from somewhere. So at some point in time, even if you are using those companies as a, a way to benchmark yourself in the industry, you will probably need them as a supplier too. Um, and that's kind of how we have built a really good relationship with my local wholesaler um, for fresh material because for years I was just using them as um, a way to price myself competitively. But this year we had such an insane drought and we lost literally 90% of our summer annuals. So 
I was having to purchase in a lot of material um, during wedding season. And it really was a good eye-opener for me to see how that process really, really works in depth when, from a florist perspective, um, because I was able to schedule out two weeks in advance with the wholesaler. And I knew that what I ordered is usually what I was going to get. Um, and I could, you know, benchmark the quality and really, you know, see the ins and outs of, uh, working with a conventional wholesaler. Um, so I've take, well, I will take all of that and what I've was able to see and learn this year and we're actually in the process of building a new wholesale website um, specifically for our wholesale clients so that they can pre-order in advance and we're we're gonna we're gonna talk about a little bit more about that in a minute but um, with pricing also comes um, the discussion of setting minimums and uh, last year so the 2020 season uh, we had a hundred and fifty dollar minimum, which really for a florist is not a lot. Um, but this year, we did not have a minimum. And these t- past two years, twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one, we were not delivering door to door. So we were well. I shouldn't say that we delivered a few local ones in twenty twenty, but twenty twenty one, we we just weren't doing local delivery anymore. Um, so we were doing on-farm pickup or we were shipping and shipping is a whole monster on its own. And if we want to talk more about shipping, um, we're going to have to figure out a way to do that because there's a lot of ins and outs with shipping, um, that are not fun to talk about. Um, but with the way that we handled that this year with no minimums is there were some times where we were only shipping like $30 worth of wholesale product at once. Um, And then you pay the overnight, or your florist, your customer is paying the overnight rate to have that shipped. Um, And it can be quite pricey, you know, to ship only three bunches of product. Um, So moving forward with the 2022 season, we are delivering to Chicago and Madison, um, which is a huge deal for us very excited um and we'll also be shipping wholesale as well um in addition to offering that local delivery back as an option so lots of fun things very exciting um but it is important for you to understand that when you are um, getting into selling wholesale even if you are delivering or if you're shipping or if it's on-farm pickup i truly do think it is a good idea to have a minimum um $150 is a great place to start you know $100 is fine too um, because that kind of sets a precedence of use me as a farm, as a great resource, not just someone that you call when you have an oh shit moment, when your regular wholesaler drops the ball, because that's a real thing too. Um, it's very easy for some florists to say, oh, we support local. We use local flowers when really their local farmer is the last person that they call when they can't get, you know, something from the wholesaler. Um, Shitty move on their part, yes, but that's how it works sometimes, and that's a bummer. So you do sometimes have to set that standard of we are professionals, we are growing a great product, 
and we would really like to have a really good relationship with you. Um, but don't use me to be, I don't, I don't want to feel used basically. Um, so we've, we've been able to kind of alleviate some of the problems and issues that come with situations like that when we do have a minimum. Um, and you know, there will be times when you've got someone that says, oh my gosh, I just need one bunch of cafes or whatever. So like we can make adjustments here and there as we go. But the standard is $150 minimum order um, plus delivery if we're delivering it. Um, And delivery is something that you should always charge for, um, whether you personally are delivering it or if you're paying an employee to deliver it or if you're paying a third party to deliver your product for you. um, Always charge your customer shipping because whether they are purchasing from their local wholesaler or they're purchasing from Floor Abundance or they're purchasing from Mayash, whatever, they are paying delivery. They're paying shipping on that. So there's no reason for you to undercut and sell yourself short when you are providing that service for them um, because that's costing you money too. It's costing you time. It's costing you labor. It's costing you fuel. It's costing you vehicle insurance. It's costing you mileage. It's costing you wear and tear on your vehicle. All of those things cost money. Okay. So if you're just doing that for free, you're not, that's, that's more money coming out of your price per bunch. Okay. Um, so, you know, if you want to make money on growing and selling these flowers, you have to move through this not in an emotional way you have to move through this in a numbers and a realistic way um, and that can be very challenging for some people because what we are doing what we are producing is a product that evokes emotion but we have to remove those emotions and look at this from a financial perspective because we only have you know sometimes only six or seven months in order to make enough income and enough of a revenue stream to sustain us for 12 months of the year. And there are ways, and we'll talk about season extension and growing in structures in later episodes. I'm looking at my list right now, and episode 15 actually talks about growing in structures. So we'll, we've got a lot to talk about um, in order to make more revenue off of your farm for a longer period of time. Um, but, you know, the point is, is, pay for delivery, charge for delivery, um, because there's no reason to sell yourself short on that. And I did mention, too, that pre-ordering is huge, because when you are selling and t- selling to and working with a florist or a designer who is doing wedding work, and if they're doing any number or quantity or volume of wedding work, they're not putting in that order three days before the wedding and having it delivered. That order has been placed at, with the wholesaler weeks ago. Um, so you have to really understand that if you want, if you can see your farm and your business working with their business, you gotta have that, that timeline prepared on the back end. Um, 
and moving forward with us here at the farm, that's another reason why I want to build a new website independent and away from our retail website, uh, specifically for wholesale, um, is because then we'll be able to, you know, Flores will be able to pre-order two weeks in advance, which is how um, our local wholesale house does ordering for weddings as well. Um, so then we can, you know, have those pre-order lists in advance and we can see like, hey, if we're going to be short on white dahlias, I need to let these people know that like I can either get you white zinnias, I can get you white cosmos, I can get you white lisianthus, but I can't get you white dahlias. So if none of those three options are going to work, then I would suggest going to your wholesaler and finding some white roses or something. Um, and it, it's communication like that that really um, builds a great relationship. And the, there is one thing to note with that. When we sell wholesale, if we are able to make a very close substitution for something, um, we reserve the right as a farm to do that on behalf of our customers. And out of the 120 florists that we worked with this year, there was only one person that had a problem with that. Um, and the funny thing is, is that I'm looking at our wholesale landing page on our website right now. And uh, I want to read this word for word to you so that you can get a visual or understand on this. But uh, here we go. Our availability at Clara Joyce can change in an instant. We reserve the right to make substitutions as needed. Our team is trained to do everything we can to get you what you ordered, but sometimes shit happens. If we're unable to sub with a very similar tone, shape, etc., you will be notified via email. So with that in mind, that will that sets the precedence of, okay, you know, we're doing everything we can to get you this product, but sometimes things happen and we're gonna sub you we okay so this past year um we were short on blue scabiosa so we subbed with blue echinops you know similar dusty tone blue color blue echinops is actually a beefier product than the blue scabiosa um so we subbed with that and um it was fine and uh, it was just okay because really when you order from a wholesaler, sometimes stuff like that happens too. You know, just this week I ordered in um, roses for a, a wedding and they came in the wrong color. Um, and we're just going to make it work. And I understand that not every florist is like that. Um, but we, when we're working with design clients, we make sure to say that we're going to get you this color palette, we're going to get you this look, but I'm not going to specifically sell you a certain variety of flower because that's not sustainable. Um, so with that in mind and that with that practice in place for our design business, you know, we have that in mind when we're selling to other florists too. You know, we are doing everything we can as a farm um, to get you that look, get you that color, get you that palette, um, but there has to be some flexibility there. And I think as overall as a whole, the floral industry really needs to open up to that thought process of working with clients for design as well. Because if we really want to rely more on domestically grown product, sustainably grown product, um, et cetera, 
weddings that are exclusively white hydrangea and white philodendron orchids are not sustainable at all. Um, bleached product is not sustainable or good for the environment at all. Um, so with that in mind, instead of using white macrophilia hydrangeas year round, why don't we work in local product? So when dahlias are in season, switch over to using white dinner plate dahlias. And honestly, if you're buying direct from a farm, the price isn't that much of a difference if you're buying a premium white hydrangea or if you're buying a white dinner plate dahlia. Um, and if you want to come for me on that one, you can. I have price lists for all these people, so we can fight. But um, So just being a little bit more creative and, and really playing into the seasonality and adjusting your design style and the look um, based on the season that you're producing in and the season of of flowers basically because if it's springtime and we've got stunning anemones and ranunculus and xyz and whatever you know cater to those plants that have such beautiful stems with so much movement in them you don't have a super tight um, and structured design when you've when you're not working exclusively with roses you know roses commercial roses are stick straight stems not a lot of movement there so if you are not working with roses in may which is prime ranunculus season, adjust your style to showcase that. Um, showing stem is quite attractive in my perspective or from my perspective, and that's more that you can charge for. It, you know, you, if you're doing a super tight design, you're going to need like 15 or 16 roses, but if you're doing it more loose and airy and you, you know your mechanics and you know how to pull off that style – you can get by with not using 15 roses in a bridal bouquet. I promise you, it's doable. Um, okay, and one other thing to keep in mind too is that there is so much education that goes into working with a new florist or a new designer from a farmer's perspective. If you're selling direct to a florist, there is a lot of work that you have to do um, and a lot of material that you need to provide to these people. Um, because they're used to being able to get ranunculus year-round now. Um, roses are in season 24 or, f you know, 12 months out of the year. Um, so having a crop calendar is a great tool to have so that they can see that your ranunculus are in season from the end of April all the way through the first part of June, and your tulips bloom at this time, and, you know, X, Y, Z. Um and you have to give yourself a little bit of leeway in that regards, too, because what you're doing is seasonally based. So if it's a cold cold spring, things are going to be late, where if it's a warm spring like we had last year, excuse me, then things are going to be early. Um, but just giving them that rough visual of what could be available is a great tool for them to work into um, their wedding proposals when they're pricing things out and when they're planning. Um, so all of that is is really important for you to provide them as well um other things to kind of you know touch on is keep those lines of communication open between your florist and yourself um email is always best because it's a trackable form of communication um just things like that that seem mundane but they really really are important um so with that i hope that we've been able to 
kind of answer some questions, help you get on the right path for selling wholesale um, to florists and designers. We didn't touch on selling to wholesalers, so we might have to add that to the list of topics to discuss because uh, there's even more to talk about then. Um, but I, I, I really do hope that uh, this episode is, has been of value to you um, because really working with florists it can be a great option for your farm. It's, it's a great avenue for our farm. Um, it's one of the things that has made us, uh, be so sustainable on our perspective. Um, and, uh, we love working with florists. So if you're a florist and you listen to this, you know, if you're not on our availability list, send me an email. (laughs) Okay. Uh, this is going to wrap it up for today. So as always, please do follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram under Clara Joyce Flowers. If you have questions about things we talked about today or ideas for new topics, send me an email to drew at clarajoyceflowers.com. On our website, clarajoyceflowers.com, we've got merch like t-shirts, sweatshirts, and more available. Uh, Plants we can ship to you in the spring like rooted dahlia cuttings, rooted chrysanthemums, etc. We also have lots of dahlia tubers still available as well, and we are busily dividing tubers here at the farm. So we will hopefully be posting an updated availability for those two, which I'm super stoked about. Um, And feel free to like, comment, and subscribe to this podcast, depending on your streaming platform, and please leave us a review as well. Also, uh, we are busily planning the 2022, 23, and 24 seasons, and if you would like to have me be a speaker for your garden club or your ladies group or whatever the case may be, uh, send me an email, and we can talk about rates and transportation and all of that fun stuff. So, with that, I hope you have a great rest of your day. I will chat with you soon. Um, Next week... I'm super excited about this one too. We're talking about propagation and propagation is one of my biggest addictions in life. So we we're going to have lots to talk about. So with that, I am peacing out later. <laughs> <laughs>